The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Marshall. Our story is called Obsession. What is an obsession? It is a persistent and disturbing intrusion of or anxious and inescapable preoccupation with an idea. More simply, it is a siege, and the obsessed person is laid siege to by an unreasonable, absurd, obstinate, inescapable conviction. I couldn't believe it. I'd known the guy all my life. We grew up together. Lived on the same street. Why, he he was best man at my wedding. I named my first son after him. Now here he was, standing in front of me and asking me to... I simply couldn't believe it. Our mystery drama, Obsession was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Robert Dryden and Mandel Kramer. I'll be back shortly with Act One. There is an older definition of obsession regarded as obsolete, but one I suspect showing signs of coming back into fashion. This is it. An act of the devil or a spirit besetting a person or impelling a person to action from without. Take the ancient definition or the modern one. The tale we're about to tell you deals with the phenomenon of obsession. My knees were shaking. My mouth was parched. My palms were damp with sweat. I was standing in front of a door marked Chief of Police... And the man on the other side of that door was my childhood friend, Dave Chase. I hadn't seen him for quite a few years. Ten, maybe. But before that, we'd known each other well. Very well. We'd been best friends as kids, and when he got married, I stood up for him. He had a son named Emmett, after me. Certainly, that ought to count for something. Still... My hand was shaking when I knocked on the door. Yeah, come on in. You wanted to see me? Desk sergeant didn't give me your name. I didn't tell him. He just said a friend. You don't recognize me, do you, Dave? You look familiar, but... Emmett O'Hara? Emmett? You're Emmett O'Hara? For Pete's sake, Emmett. Oh, Em, I am sorry. Of course, of course. Now, but Emmett, it is wonderful to see you. Well, come on, sit down. Sit down. You know, I'm really sorry. It's been a long oh, time. Well, no excuse. I mean, I should have... Sit down, yeah. sit down. And Now, tell me, what are you doing in Cornford? Are you living here or what? Just the last few months. Well, why didn't you look me up before? My gosh, we were kids together, you and me. Mm-hmm. Come on, sit down, will you, Emma? Yeah, that's better. Now, let's see. The last time I saw you, uh, when was it? 
Well, it's got to be ten years. Twelve, maybe. I, I was on the force in L.A. You were a crime reporter. And a darn good one, too. Are you still working for that paper? Uh, no, no, I quit that. Too much wear and tear. <laughs> I know. So, what are you doing these days to make a living? Ever hear of, uh, Paul Pickens? Uh, the name is familiar. Thayer Loomis, Edward Price, Natalie Bannon. <laughs> what have they got to do with you? They're me. I'm them. You're Natalie... What's her name? Also Mary McFarland. They're pseudonyms. You see, I write novels. Mystery novels. Murder mysteries. Under different names. Well, I'll be... You know, Muriel reads those things. They're paperbacks mostly, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Well, Muriel buys them. You remember Muriel, don't you? You know, her father was medical examiner in L.A. I stood up for you at your wedding at City Hall. Of course you did. Of course. How could I forget? I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, you know, we're both getting on in years. I'm 61. I guess you must be about the same. 62. And you're a writer now. How about that? Mm, it's a living. I manage two, three books a year. Boy, you must be good at it. Very good. Too good. Come on, there's no such thing as too good. No, yes, there is. Uh, to come to the point of why I'm here, Dave, I want you to lock me up. You want me to what? I don't think I quite caught that. I want you to lock me up. Lock you up? Here, in the cell. You can do it, Dave. You're the chief of police. That's why I came here, to ask you this favor. Just shove me in a cell and keep me there. Well, Emmett, why would I do that? Why would you want me to? Because if you don't, I'm going to do something terrible. Well, like what? I mean, what would you do? Murder? Theft? I don't know, something... Beat up somebody and take everything he's got. Beat up who? Take what? I don't know. Anybody. Anything. I... I'm going to do it if somebody doesn't stop me. You're the only one who can, Dave. And you've got to do it. Now, just hold on, Emma. Now, just take it easy. Somebody's okay? got to do now, it. Now, you just simmer down and tell me where you got this nutty idea. It's not a nutty idea. It's going to happen. I know it. All right. All right. Now, now, now tell me, when, when did you get this, this, this idea? When did it dawn on you that you were going to do something terrible, like, like murder or assault or burglary or whatever? It's been growing on me for quite a while now. I think it must have started way back when I was crime reporter for the paper. I was a good crime reporter. You know that, Dave. One of the best. When I got to thinking how... how dumb all those criminals were. How they didn't really have to get caught if they'd just been more careful. If they'd planned it just a little better. Used their heads. Thought it out. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure, I know what you mean. So about ten years ago, I quit being a reporter and started writing these detective novels. I must have written, oh, I don't know, dozens of them. Of course, when you write these whodunits, the bad guy always has to get caught. Always. You understand? Sure. Figures. So I had to have him do something stupid. Overlook something. Leave a clue. Say some dumb thing. Anything. Or the police had to be so all-fired intelligent, which they are not, uh, 
Dave, I'm sorry, but we we know you know they're not not really. We try. Well, after a while, the whole thing struck me as just plain silly. I knew, I knew for a certainty that if I put my mind to it, I could commit a crime, a major crime, and never get caught. I just knew it. Did you ever do anything about it? No, of course not. I'm not a criminal, Dave. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm a very... a very moral person. I know you are. But I'm not going to go on being one if you don't help me. I'm going to commit a terrible crime if you don't lock me up. I am. I can't do that. But you've got to. I'm telling you the truth, Dave. If you don't... Now, just take it easy, will you? Will you just take it easy? You know, whenever there's a crime committed, all sorts of people come running to the police trying to confess, saying they did it, you know, that they're the criminal. This is different. I mean, we can spot those people a mile off. It's some kind of a need to punish themselves. At least that's what the psychiatrists tell us. Not for anything they've done, just for something they wanted to do. This is different. Personally, I think they're looking to get their pictures in the paper. You know, they feel so insignificant that they'll do anything just to get noticed. Get somebody to pay attention. At least that, that's, that's my opinion. This is different. But you're not insignificant, Emmett. You're a successful writer. You're known. You ever get married, Em? No, I was afraid to. Oh? Well, maybe you should have. You got a girl? I've had lots of girls. No, I don't mean lots of girls. I mean, anybody can have lots of girls. I mean, a girl. Have you got a girl here in Cornford? Yeah. Rosalie. Oh, pretty name, Rosalie. She's housekeeper for some rich people out on the river road. You like her? And I like her. She like you? Seems like she does. Well, look, my suggestion to you is you go and see Rosalie. Or, or call her up and ask her out for dinner. Or, or take her to a movie. There's a good one playing at the Bijou. Or, anyway, Muriel says it's good. I wouldn't know. You take Rosalie to the Bijou and call me tomorrow, Emmett, and we'll talk some more. Okay? You're not going to lock me up? I can't, Emmett. I got no reason to lock you up. You haven't done anything. You can't just walk in here and say, put me in a cell. The law doesn't work that way. You could do it if you wanted to. No, I couldn't. Jail isn't a motel, Em. You can't just check in and out whenever you have a mind to. Mm, yeah, I... I suppose you're right. I know I'm right. I know the law, Em. I know what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. Now, you run along and call Rosalie. Got it? Right. Got it. And uh, call me tomorrow, huh? Or stop by here? Okay? Right. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for nothing. What on earth had made me think my old pal would believe me? Not only did he not believe me, he thought I was an idiot. A total idiot. Soft in the head. Somebody to be humored and nursed along till he comes to his senses. He didn't know that this was serious. Dead serious, you might say. Because I couldn't think of anything else to do, 
I did the first thing that came into my mind. Would you care for another drink, Mr. O'Hara? Oh, no, thanks. I tell you what I would like, though. Yes, anything for a good customer. I'd like to buy a quart of gin to take back to my hotel. You want me to sell you a bottle of gin over the bar? Yes, please. Oh, I can't do that. Twenty bucks? It's against the law, Mr. O'Hara. Thirty? Look, you can drink all you want here. But we're not allowed to sell booze to take out. You have to go to the liquor store. Yes, but they're all closed. Now, look, you know me. I'm a regular customer. I've never asked you for a favor before. Just this one time, I... Look, I need it. I really do. Believe me, I, I do. Well, if you really need it, so... All right, here you go. You won't regret this. Slip it under your coat if anybody saw me doing this. You got a phone I can use? Yeah, on the wall, by the door. If it's a local call, you don't have to pay for it. That's a local... Rosalie, this is Emmett. I just wanted to tell you I can't make it tonight. I've got something I have to do. Oh, gee, Emmett, I'm sorry. I, I was hoping I'll call me... you tomorrow. Or the next day. Or the day after. Hey, Mr. O'Hara, you didn't settle up. Mr. O'Hara? Hey! Uh, that, that, that's him. Grab that guy. He broke my oh, window. Get a cop. Somebody get a cop. Of course, I just stood there. I felt calm and peaceful. Everything was all right. I had done something wrong, and they were going to put me in jail. I think I was smiling when the cop came and took me away. we're beginning to comprehend something of the strange nature of an obsession. Not only can the victim find himself beset by the notion of something he has done in the past, he can be equally beset by the idea of something he is bound to do in the future. Either way, an obsession is a torment, and there is no relief and no escape. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. heard me describe an obsession as a siege. That definition is taken from Webster's International Dictionary and to me seems appropriate for the person obsessed is indeed a person besieged, set upon, bombarded, attacked, and rendered helpless through no fault of his own. He is, in every truth, under siege. I couldn't believe it. I've known Emmett O'Hara all my life. Granted, I hadn't seen him for the last 10, 12 years, but we were kids together. Then he shows up out of the blue and says, put him in jail because he might commit a crime. Now, I tried to reason with him. I tried to calm him down, and I thought I had. I thought he was going to call some woman named Rosalie and take her to a movie. Two hours later, they tell me he's been brought in on a charge of disorderly conduct. A crazy loon had thrown a bottle of gin through a window. Emmett O'Hara? Our Emmett? Our Emmett. I tell you, Muriel, when he walked into my office, at first I didn't know him. He's changed that much? Well, it's 
Not so much that he's changed exactly. I mean, you know, he's still got all his hair. He's a little heavier, maybe. No, it, it, it was the way he looked. You know, his expression. I, I can't describe it. Well, try. I was always very fond of Emmett. So were you. Well, it was his eyes, mostly, I think. They're kind of wild, staring. And, and his smile... When he managed to smile, which which wasn't too often. Emmett always had a lovely smile. Well, he hasn't anymore. It's, 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 I don't know, it's kind of twisted. It's m- more of a grimace than a smile. Well, what's happened to him to make him look like that? Nothing's happened, not really. I mean, he's, he's been very successful. He's had all those murder mystery books. You know, the, the kind you read. Mm. No, it, it's this notion he's got into his head that he's going to commit a crime. Oh, Emmett wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah, I know that. And you know that. Even Emmett knows that. I mean, he said so himself. He's a very moral person. Well, then why in the world... Muriel, it's an obsession. He's convinced, he's absolutely positive that he would do something awful if I didn't lock him up. Well, of course, I couldn't do that. And I told him so. I said, I can't lock up a guy who hasn't done anything. Certainly he could understand that. Well, I had to do a little talking, but I think he finally got it through his head. I told him to go and call up this girl he knows, uh, Rosalie, something or other, and take her to dinner or a movie, and then come back and see me the next day. And he said, okay, he would. And I thought, that's that. But did he call this girl, this Rosalie? Well, I don't know. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Next thing I knew, must have been, oh, a couple of hours after he left my office, one of the men on the beat brings him in for disorderly conduct, disturbing the peace and damage to property. It seems he threw a bottle of gin through the window of a bar he'd been drinking in. Well, he was drunk. He must have been. Well, the cop that picked him up said he might have had a couple, but he wasn't drunk. And he was just standing there with a little smile on his face. Very nice, very pleasant. He didn't deny anything. He said, yes, he'd thrown the bottle. He'd broken the window. Of course. Of course. What, of course? Well, you had to lock him up, didn't you? Well, certainly. The man owns the bar, pressed charges. The judge gave him ten days. Then he got what he wanted. He got himself locked up. Yeah. Know what I'm going to do, Muriel? Tell me. I'm going to ask the judge to cut down his time. Will he do that? Well, if I explain to him that that Emma's just going through a, a bad time right now, you know, that he has this obsession about himself. That he just threw the gin bottle to get himself arrested in jail. Tell him we've known Emmett for years and years. What kind of a man he is. I'll do it. I'll go down to the courtroom right now and do it. And listen, Dave, if the judge says okay and you get Emmett out, tell him we both love him and we're dying to see him. And you tell him that I want him here for dinner and talk over old times and all of that. I mean, you know what to say. Sure. And tell him if he wants to, to bring his girl along with him for dinner. This uh, Rosalie person. Well, everything went fine with the judge. He and I are old friends anyway, and he's easy for me to talk to. I explained about Emmett being a bachelor at 62, kind of lost in the world, and worked hard writing those mystery novels. Well, that helped a lot, as it turned out. It seems the judge had read every last one of them and knew all the names that Emmett wrote under. He was really very impressed. Me, Dave. Oh. Oh, hello, Dave. Hi. Glad you're free. Free? Yeah, you're free to leave. I talked to the judge. Leave here? That's right. But I don't want to leave here. All right, Emmett, look. 
You've committed your crime, even if it's only a misdemeanor, and you got yourself locked up. You've had your fun. So now, let's get you the heck out of here, huh? Yeah, but I don't want to get out of here. You want me to let you sit in this cell for the whole ten days? I don't ever want to get out. I want to stay. Well, you can't. I mean, look, once you get this... this notion out of your head, you'll go back to living a normal life and everything will be okay. Now, come on. Yeah, but it's not a notion. I know, I know. It, it, it's an obsession. I talked to the police psychiatrist about it, and he says you can be treated for it. I can? Certainly. Listen, Emmett, people get obsessions all the time. You know, that the world's going to blow up, that the Martians are coming. Some of them even get the obsession they're, they're God. I mean, yours is just a, a tiny obsession. You're just neurotic. Now, you can get some therapy and be your old self again. Now, how about it? How about coming along with me, hmm? Now? Right now. Oh, I, I, I don't know. Now, listen to me. Muriel sent you her love and said to bring you home for dinner. Really? Yes. I mean, she's dying to see you and to talk over old times, you know, all like that. Oh, that'd be nice. Matter of fact, she said bring your girl along with you if you feel like it. Rosalie? Yeah. How about it? I don't know if Rosalie would fit in. Well, okay, then it'll be just you and me and Muriel. Okay? Okay. 6.30 be all right for you? 6.30? What am I supposed to do between now and 6.30? Oh, I don't know. You know, you could take a walk or you know, do some writing, maybe. Hey, did I tell you the judge has read all your books and he thinks they're great? What, did he really say that? He really did. Now, look. Here, I'm, I'm jotting down the address of our house. All right, now you stick that in your pocket. Okay? Okay. I'd hang around with you till dinner time, but the Cornford Savings and Loan got held up this morning. We got a lead on the perpetrators, and I have to follow up on that. You'll be all right, won't you? Maybe I'll go down to the library and find something to read. Good idea. Fine idea. Just don't go breaking any more windows, huh? Oh, no, I won't. I won't. Okay, so let's go. It'll be nice to see Muriel again. I always liked Muriel. Always. I liked her a lot. I have to say, I didn't think too much about Emmett for the rest of the day. I had to go back to my office and turn my attention to the problem of catching up with the bums who'd robbed the Cornford Savings and Loan. I was surprised when I looked at my watch and saw that it was already 6.30. So I shut up shop and hurried home fast as I could, wondering if Emmett really did show up. I'm home. About time. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. It couldn't be helped. Oh, I'm putting dinner on the table. Emmett here? Mm-hmm. In the living room. I mixed a drink for him since you weren't here to do the honors. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Well, hi, Emmett. Hello, Dave. Hi. Make it to the library okay? Oh, yeah. Read one of my own books. <laughs> Learn anything? Uh, I wrote it so long ago I would forgot how it came out. <laughs> Of course, the criminal got caught. Sure, due to the innate sagacity of the police. Hey, Muriel, is it time for me to have a drink? Yeah, I'm making a password. How about you? A small glass of sherry. Okay. Well, how do you think Muriel looks after all these years? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Hardly changed at all. Yeah, you put on a little weight, but, you know, four kids, you know. You've got grandchildren? Mm, six. Six? Boy, that must be wonderful. Yeah, it is kind of wonderful. 
course, we hardly ever see any of them. You know, they're scattered all over the country. You see them at Christmas, probably. Yeah, some of them. And once in a while, all of them. Oh, that must be sensational. Well, it is, kind of. Gives you a sense of, oh, continuity or whatever. Emmett, uh, your namesake, he's got two boys and a girl. You don't say. Mm-hmm. And one of his boys is named Emmett. Boy, is that so? That's right. Tell me, are you sorry you never got married, Em? Right now, I am. All right. Where is my small glass of sherry? Right here, honey. <laughs> ready and waiting. Thank you. Well, here's to all us good old friends. Here's to us. To us. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Emmett was just asking about our grandchildren. Muriel knows all their names and how old they are. I kind of get them all mixed up. Well, uh, there's Emmett David Jr. He's 19. And then there's Melinda Muriel. She is 17. And... Hey, excuse me a minute, will you? Oh, sure, Emmett. Anything wrong? No, 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 no. I'll be back in a minute. You need anything? I have to take a pill. A tranquilizer. They're in my overcoat pocket. The doctor recommended them. I keep forgetting. Think he's all right? He's just very nervous, that's all. He'll be all right. He looks all right. You think so? Yes, I think so. Anyway, I think I think so. I'm glad we got him here for dinner. You were the attraction. Me? Sure. As soon as I said you wanted to see him, he came right along. He likes you a lot, Mira. He always has. He said so. Oh, you want to get the phone? Sure. Yeah, I'll chase him. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, good work. All right, I'll be right down. Hold everything till I get there. You going out? I got to get back to headquarters. They've collared the guys who held up Cornford Savings and Loan. But uh, what about Emmett? Well, what about him? You're going to leave me here alone with him? Well, honey, it'll be all right. Emmett's okay. You don't have to be scared of him or anything. He's not going to do anything to you. Matter of fact, he's not going to do anything to anybody. It's all in his head. Come on, give us a kiss. I'll be back as soon as I can. I really believed what I said, too. Every last word of it. Emmett O'Hara was our friend. Old Em wouldn't hurt a fly. No, of course old Em wouldn't hurt a fly. Not the old Em that Dave and Muriel knew back in Los Angeles. Not good old Em. Not that good old Em. But this is a new Em. The new M obsessed with the idea that he can commit a perfect crime. Not old M at all. And perhaps not good at all. I'll be back shortly with our final act. has left his wife, Muriel, alone in the house with their friend for 40 years, Emmett O'Hara. Emmett O'Hara, as we have learned, is convinced that he can commit a crime without being apprehended. But more than that, he is certain that he will do so unless he is restrained. So I sat down to dinner with Emmett. Never have I talked so much so fast. 
about anything, everything. Emmett threw in a word or two now and then, but mostly he simply listened with his eyes fastened on my face. Not really looking at me, I felt, but looking through me or beyond me. His look was intent and at the same time vacant, if such a thing is possible. Finally, dinner was over, and I was faced with the prospect of an evening alone with this man I'd known so long, so well. And now, hardly knew at all. You know what I think I will do, Em? I think I'll go get my knitting. Oh? Well, sure, if you want to. Uh, the fire's all laid in the fireplace, so if you want to set a match to it. Yeah, I could do that. I'll just go fetch my knitting. It's in the bedroom. Go ahead. I'll be right back. Take your time, Muriel. I'm finishing up an afghan for my newest grandchild. I'd like to have it ready for Christmas. Sure. Emmett, look, if you don't want to hang around here... No, 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 it's nice here. But if you've got any place else you want to go... I've got no place to go. Oh, well, Dave said something about you having a girl here in Cornford. Rosalie, wasn't that her name? Oh, yeah. Rosalie. Well, if you want to go see her or call her up, ask her to come over, anything at all, you go ahead. Hmm? Oh, thanks, Muriel. Maybe I'll do that later. I rushed into the bedroom and shut the door behind me. My heart was pounding. How silly I'm being, I thought. Emmett wouldn't hurt me. Emmett wouldn't hurt a fly. Then I saw his overcoat where he'd flung it on the bed when he first arrived. And on the bed were half a dozen little plastic bottles. They must have rolled out of his pocket. I recognized most of them right away. Red devils, yellow perils, and some tiny white ones. But there was one I'd never seen before or heard of. Was this the tranquilizer Emmett was taking that gave him that strange, glazed look? On an impulse, I scribbled down the name of the pharmacy, the prescription number, the doctor's registration number. And then I saw the name of the patient. Not Emmett O'Hara at all. It was Rosalie Cash. I just got everything back into the overcoat pocket when there was a soft knock at the door. Oh, uh, yes, is that you, Emmett? Okay to come in? Yes, sure. Sure, come on in. Find your knitting? Oh, uh, no. I can't imagine where I put it. Oh, uh, want me to help you look? Oh, no, no, no. You don't have to do that. It'll turn up somewhere. Muriel, I, I was thinking about what you said. Maybe I should call Rosalie. Maybe she's expecting me to. Why don't you do that? Or maybe I'll go over there and see her. Uh-huh. Where does she live, Emmett? Oh, oh, uh, out on River Road somewhere. Uh, I know the house when I get there. She's housekeeper for these very rich people. Well, if you think she expects you... I didn't say she expects me. Uh, whatever. You want me to help you on with your coat? Oh, thanks, Muriel. Thanks very much. There you are. Want me to call you a cab? No, no. I'll pick one up down at the corner. 
Muriel. Yes, Emmett? You know, there are different kinds of people. I mean, different people have different obsessions. Did you know that? It's true. Some people have this obsessive thought that the world is going to go up in flames. <laughs> they could be right. Yes, they could, the way things are going. And then there are people who think they're God. Of course, they're wrong. Because nobody's God. Except God, of course. That's right, Emmett. Well, those people are crazy. Psychotic is what they call it. But then there are other people who are not crazy. They're not psychotic. They're just uh, disturbed. You know what I mean? Neurotic is what they call them. Well, I'm one of those. I'm neurotic. It's because I'm so depressed. I see. Well, thanks for dinner, Muriel. It was very good. You're a wonderful cook. Dave's a lucky man. Well, Emmett, it was wonderful to see you, and we'll see you again, I hope. You call up any time. I will, Muriel. I'll do that. No, don't, don't bother to come to the door. I can find my way out. You just look for your knitting, and I... I'll call you one of these days. I heard the outside door slam. Then I looked at the piece of paper that was still crumpled in my hand. With its numbers, the name of the pharmacy, and the name Rosalie Cash. I don't know just what I had in mind, but I called a taxi. Just closing up, lady. Um, my husband is David Chase. He's the chief of police. Oh, uh, well, what can I do for you, Mrs. Chase? Uh, your pharmacy filled this prescription, I believe. I wrote all this down from the label on the bottle. Right. There's the prescription number and everything. Well, it's, uh possible. Uh, what, what do you want to know about it? First of all, I'd like to know what the prescription is for. I've seen the pills, but they weren't like any I've seen before. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, Mrs. If Chase. necessary, I will get my husband on the phone. Now, I don't want to buy anything. I just want to know what kind of pills they are. Oh, yes, ma'am. Then I would like to know who this Rosalie Cash is. That, uh, that's the prescription that oh. was made out for. Yes, ma'am. And where she lives. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Oh, hey. This is a very strong drug. I mean, we, we don't get many prescriptions for these. Here, l l let me look it up in the desk reference. Uh, I, I hope whoever's taking these knows how to... I mean, if she doesn't... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Here we are. Uh-huh. Well, it's an antidepressant. It's not to be taken with amphetamines or diet pills or with caffeine or alcohol. Here, um, extreme caution is advised. <laughs> well, I should hope so. All right, now, uh, will you give me the address of this Rosalie Cash? I know she lives someplace on River Road. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll give it to you. Oh, I do hope... Oh, my goodness. Oh, here, here it is, yeah. Uh, number... 13 River Road. Well, that should be about 12 miles out in the direction Never mind. I'll find it. A dozen thoughts chased themselves crazily through my head as the taxi drove me toward 13 River Road. Emmett would kill Rosalie Cash. Emmett would rob the house where Rosalie Cash worked. Emmett would bludgeon Rosalie Cash into unconsciousness and then set fire to the house. 
Emmett would... Emmett would... How could I know what Emmett O'Hara would or would not do? The taxi pulled up at the house, and I started to pay him off. Hey, hey wait a minute. Taxi? Taxi, wait. Uh, wait, will you wait there a minute? Hey... Hey, uh, are you through with this cab? Who are you? Oh, what do you care? Uh, hey, driver. Are I... you Rosalie Cash? Wait, would you get out of my way, lady? Do you know well, Emmett I, O'Hara? I, I never heard of him. Would you just get out of my way, please? I need this cab. He came to see you tonight. I know he did. Look, are you going to let me have this cab? No, I am not. Listen, Rosalie, my husband is chief of police in this town, Dave Chase. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, I, I, I didn't do anything. Well, we were just having... Driver, a... here's your money. We won't be needing you. No, please, please. Now, Rosalie, I know... Emmett O'Hara came to see you tonight. He was at my house. He said he was coming here to see oh, you. I didn't ask him to. But he did, didn't he? Well, he, he showed up here. As a matter of fact, he called first to see if the people I work for were going to be in or out. Oh, Lord, which was it? Out. They went out. So he came over and he... Uh, he brought a bottle of champagne with him. Yeah, I don't even like champagne, and he knows I don't like it. So I should have known right away from the start. Known what? Well, that, you know, that he was up to something. Like what? Well, like something. Well, I, I got out some champagne glasses, and we went and we sat down in the drawing room. I mean, a, as long as people were out, it seemed all right. I mean, we, we've done that before. See, I, I always clean up afterwards, and, you know, we, start, we started to drink the champagne. Only I didn't like mine. I mean... I mean, I really didn't like it, you know, more than usual. It tasted funny, you know, like bitter, like awful. So, when he wasn't looking, I, I poured it in the potted palm, but he just kept on pouring it in, and he, and he kept on saying, come on, drink up, and I, I couldn't drink it. I mean, I just couldn't, you know, it tasted so peculiar. So, after a while... But by that time, he wasn't noticing anything, so I, I, I switched glasses. And, and he tossed off the one that was supposed to be mine, and then and then he... God, it was terrible. I mean, it was just terrible. I couldn't bear to look at him. He turned, he turned white as a sheet, and he grabbed his head, and then he, he just fell over. He just fell over. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I just wanted to get out, to, to get away, you know? And where is he now? I don't know. I, I guess he's still on the floor. I mean, right inside. But that's where I left him. Is he dead? I don't know. He, he could be. I, I didn't wait to find out. Come on. We're going inside. Emmett wasn't dead, thank the good Lord. But he was unconscious, and I could hardly find his pulse. I called the ambulance. They got there in jig time and took him to the hospital. I left him there and went home and waited to tell Dave the whole terrible story. It was several days before we were allowed to see our old friend Emmett at the hospital. That's a pretty darn fool thing to do, Em. I told you. I told you. You could have killed that girl, Emmett. I told you. What were you going to do after you killed her? I don't know. Maybe steal some jewelry. Mm, I don't know. What kind of a dumb doctor gave you that prescription? One I always go to. Well, how come Rosalie Cash's name was on the prescription? 
I told him I needed it for a friend. For a friend? Yeah. A friend who was really depressed. In a deep depression, I told him. That's what I told the pharmacist, too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. No need to cry about it. I told you to lock me up. I begged you to, Dave. You don't have to beg anymore. I warned you. I, I said I'd commit a terrible crime. You did. What? You committed a crime. Well, I... I was going to, No, but... not going to. You did. Didn't you know that attempting suicide is a crime in this state, Em? But I didn't attempt suicide. No? Well, we'll take you to court and see what the judge says. Do you think he might? Yes. I think he might. Then we'll have to lock you up for a while. Will that make you happy, Emmett? Kind of. Yes. Happy. Kind of. That's what I thought. Come on, Dave. Let's go home. Dave and I sat up late talking about our old friend, Emmett O'Hara. We got to wondering if after he got out of jail, he would be free of the obsession he'd had that he would commit a perfect crime. He'd committed a crime, all right. But it was far from perfect. I do not know if the obsessed person is freed from his obsessive idea once it has been executed. I do know that when the obsessed one is a strictly moral person, yet convinced that he is dangerous to others, there is every likelihood he will prove dangerous to himself. I'll be back shortly. Hostility and violence reside in each and every one of us. Most of us control it or conceal it, sometimes so cleverly and so completely that we ourselves do not suspect that it is there. But it is there, and it can turn and destroy us. Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Robert Dryden, Terry Keene, and Carol Titel. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Preview of our next tale. I just wish you could have liked Dolores better. She brought you a plant. That brownish, hairy, scraggly thing. Oh, Mom, she's really a sweet girl. I, I wish you'd give Dolores a chance. A chance? I never want to see her again. Mom got her wish. She never did. The next morning, when I brought up her breakfast tray, the first thing I noticed was the plant in full bloom, heavy with blood-red blossoms. The next thing was Mom, whiter than any ghost, with a dry, drained whiteness that made her seem to be made of powder, as if when you touched her, she would turn to that. 
I didn't even have to put down the tray to know she was dead. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.